Hi everyone, welcome to our first episode of My Relationship with Money series. We will explore how our guest experts evolve his relationship with money. Then we will consider the early stages, his early stages as a kid, then in high school age, then after your first full-time job or business, and lastly, now. Let me introduce you to a friend of mine. It is such a pleasure to introduce you to a very, very good friends of 15 years. We have been talking about businesses and money for a long, long time. He is on top of his game. He has one of the top performing real estate teams in Canada. What makes him special is that he has an abundance of care he has for his clients, his partners, his team, and his family. Couple that care that he brings, I have not seen anyone outwork him in his business. Please welcome Pinder Singh. Thank you so much, Ray. Um, the nice thing is I didn't know what he'd written, so that actually was making me smile at the whole back. Thank you, that's an amazing introduction. Um, and you know what, that was actually very humbling uh, to hear that out loud. Um, we don't think about ourselves that way day to day, so thank you. Um, you know, that's very nice of you. And yes, I definitely consider you a friend, and uh, it's been a very long journey. And I'm looking forward to sharing that with our audience today. Um, you know, I'm very interested to see what kind of questions we have and what kind of light I can bring to it today. So why don't we start with who you are and tell us the roles that you currently have right now. Definitely. So uh, Pinder Singh, uh, I'm a broker. Um, so all that means I've done a little bit more education beyond the, you know, becoming a real estate salesperson. Um, we are at about 21, 22 years in the industry, 17 years that I've been licensed. And uh, this is kind of my life. It's not really a job, you know, it's a lifestyle. I wake up as a realtor, I go to sleep as a realtor. Um, but something else you mentioned in my introduction, I'm a family man, so my family uh, is very important. So people ask me sometimes, you know, what's new or what's, what's your day like? And I'm like, look, it's work or family. I don't have much else. Um, you know, when we weren't doing the type of business we're doing now, on, you know, on, like you mentioned on a national level in regards to our success, um, I did play sports. I, I was a goalkeeper in soccer and uh, ball hockey, as you know. Um, but unfortunately, that hasn't uh, been a reality <laughs> between the pandemic and business. Um, and I do have a two-year-old son, so you know, instead of playing ball hockey, I'd rather spend a little bit of time with him and, and my wife, who doesn't see me much because I work so often. But uh, other than that, so I'm a father, uh, I'm a husband, uh, I'm a real estate broker, uh, but I'm also a team leader. So very quickly, what does that mean? Um, you know, got to the point where it was getting difficult to service the clients, and, you know, I'm just being one person. Um, so that's where we brought Natisha on board. So she's our team administration manager. And so she handles all the back end for me, right? So that way I have more time to be with the people that need me. So that's the, my clients actually showing them homes, negotiating offers, that type of stuff, building relationships. Um, and then it got to the point where that was great, but now I was still finding that I had more customers than I could really service. And that's where we've got Mark who's joined the team. And uh, so he takes on some of the extra business and he has business of his own. Um, and then uh, recently we just added my wife actually to the team. Uh, so it's become a family affair and uh, she's the uh, staging coordinator. Um, if you were to take a look at the website, take a look at our testimonials and things, it, it makes me proud. Very often people will say we're the one-stop shop. And that's where this addition of having Heather is you know, very fantastic. So all the services are there. Um, and you know, our clients feel like they're getting a concierge service. So that gives you a little bit of an idea and introduction as to my roles as a team leader, what I do in real estate and as a family man. And uh, that's mostly what I am. <laughs> that's good, that's good. <laughs> 
Well, thank you so much again for, for being here. Um, I know that this series is about your relationship or our relationship with money. In the early stages, can you tell us what your first memory about money? Mm. So I, I, I tend to think about a Ziploc baggie. I'm picturing coins. Um, you know, I think it started very, very small. And, um, you know, I didn't really have a um, allowance. Okay. That's not how, you know, we grew up in, in our house, right? It was kind of like you do the stuff around the house because it's your house and you weren't rewarded for it with the finances. Mind you, um, you know, we grew up where money wasn't really um, in abundance in our home. Um, you know, I hope my mom and dad don't mind me sharing this with the world, but, um, you know, we did go bankrupt. We lost our home. So, you know, that wasn't really the reality. Even leading up to it, um, you know, money was scarce, right? So it wasn't like there was money coming in. So my memories are going to be kind of coins, collecting. I would have been trying to buy, like, hockey cards, baseball cards. Um, I love to read, actually. Um, I don't get the time anymore, but I would save those coins, and we'd have the uh, book fair. And you used to, you know, they used to come to the school, and you'd buy books, and there was these horror books, R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike. So I'd save my coins and I'd try to buy books or hockey and baseball cards. So that's probably um, my earliest memory of where I started to care about money and what it could trade for and what I wanted in life. That's good. And so, I mean, obviously one of the tools that money does is the acquisition of, of books mm -hmm. or the trading cards yes. or video games, uh, whatever it is that you, you wanted at that time. Mm -hmm. Now. Obviously, you mentioned your parents. Uh, yes. Parents are normally our first, first teachers about money. Could you tell me what would be something that you've learned about money that, that was taught to you mm -hmm. by your parents? Yeah, for sure. So, ironically, like at a young age, I don't feel like there was a lot of teaching, you know? And I, I think a lot of people have talked about that where it's not really in our school system. Our parents weren't really in a situation to teach us or didn't know how. And I think in my specific situation, since money was a challenge in our home, I don't think my parents felt that they were in a situation to teach. And even if they were, I mean, unfortunately, they hadn't really succeeded, so their teachings weren't really, um, you know, that great if it was to exist. Um, but I'd say for, for my dad, I think at the early stages, it was respecting money. He would tell me stories, you know, as I will too, uh, as I get older, um, you know, how he'd check the coin return in the payphone for the 25 cents or, you know, how he'd buy pizza or chocolate milk and make it last two meals. And, you know, he would try to earn money to send back home to India to his family who were struggling. They lived in the village and were very poor. That's a very interesting part that maybe we can even get into later. My mom grew up actually in the city with a driver, private school, tennis lessons, very well to do. And my dad grew up in the village, no shoes, taking care of the animals, struggling to eat. Um, you know, so it was very different kind of polar opposites money-wise. And um, But I'd say that was probably the earliest. And then as we moved on, um, you know, I'd say my dad's lessons were more of, you know, save. I don't think he knew how to grow the, you know, abundance and wealth, but it was, look, it's important. Don't end up where I was. Yeah. I don't know how to tell you to get to that point, but please don't make my mistakes, right? So um, funny enough, I look back and I don't actually consider those mistakes on his part because whether he realized it or not, that's a big reason why I'm here today. It gave me that push to want to be successful and not have my family ever be in that situation again. And uh, that's the direction we're going where, um, you know, I take upon my shoulders, um, you know, make sure that my immediate family is doing well, but also my parents, my wife's parents, um, you know, I'm going off topic here very quickly, but the other day I was telling somebody, I said, look, I want to be that pivotal point in our family tree. This is the generation that's going to change it so that 
none of our bloodline ever sees that again. And I'm getting goosebumps while saying that, you know, and I, I think hopefully this video helps inspire some people. We literally have that power to change our whole family tree and generations from now, you know, when we're gone, our, our impact can still be felt if we do things in the right way. And again, I'm hoping today's information can give people, um, you know, some tips or inspiration at least to look into how can you manage money in a way uh, that your life can be better. Yeah, you know what, it's, uh, like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of ways where we learn about anything. One is through, you know, reading books, maybe following a mentor to see how they've done it. But also sometimes when you, you've had the hard times or you fell and you've, you know, you've had that scratch, so um, you learn from the mistakes as well. This is where it's so vital that you know how money works and maybe how um, you know, uh, your parents have, have uh, um, maybe uh, succeeded or, or uh, failed with regards to how to budget and all that kind of stuff. But we all we learn from a lot of different kind of ways, different kinds of experiences. Now, can you remember your actual first purchase? What it might, what it might be? Oh, wow. Um, no, but I will say, oh, you know, I was trying to stay away from politics and religion, but, uh, <laughs> you know, for me, uh, you know, I, I do believe in God. So I do know that I would have taken some money from my first paycheck and gone to the temple and donated some money there. Um, you know, and that will, I'm sure we'll touch on later, giving back how important that is. Um, but I don't remember. I would probably say it was something foolish, um, something small. I don't think I had the capacity mentally to make anything big because I hadn't really lived that. Um, I've always loved clothes, as you can tell from the ridiculously loud shirt. Uh, <laughs> so I may have saved up and tried to get like a Nike t-shirt or something, you know, like the things that I didn't have because my family did not have that wealth, you know, and I saw other kids that, you know, maybe they did have that luxury and I wanted those things. So I'd say it was either something really small and foolish or it may have been an article of clothing. I can see myself making that kind of a decision uh, with the first few dollars that I had. That's good. Now, if we move on from, let's say, your early stages to the high school stage, mm -hmm. um, did, you have, did you have a part-time job when you were in high school? So my dad tried to keep me away from working. He was very much focused on education. He was like, become something and then you know, you'll have all the wealth that you need. You know, don't be occupied with money today. And he was worried, and he was right actually, <laughs> um, that you know, once I got the taste of money, it might derail me from my education. Um, that's a different story. Uh, but I did work um, at my dad's donut shop. So he had a oh. donut shop before Timmy's came and, you know, he made that all go away. But uh, um, in the summer one year, I would work with him from open to close and I would get $10, right? So, um, you know, it took me a long time. I worked the whole summer and I got two Nike sweatshirts and a pair of Nike shoes. They were, I'm gonna age myself here, they were the Damien Stoudemire's. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, I took a toothbrush to them. Uh, you know, they were clean always, and I had so much value for that because I worked so hard. You know, you can imagine at the price tag for those items, how many days I worked day and night to be able to get those. Um, and on a very quick side note, that's the reason I do my own laundry. My mom accidentally um, shrunk one of the sweatshirts. <laughs> and. I got very upset and I said things you should never say to your mother. <laughs> and the next day when I cooled down, you know, I came and asked her, I said, can you teach me how to do laundry? Because I see value in this. I worked really hard for it. It's something I wanted. I want to know how to take care of it. So it's my problem and not somebody else's. But uh, uh, that's probably the summer job I remember the most. And then eventually I worked at Tim Hortons. 
um, you know, and did some baking and customer service and all that type of stuff, and uh, that's kind of where it all started. Now, do you still remember your first full-time job? Full-time? I mean, I guess Tim Hortons was technically part-time, but I was working full-time hours. Okay. Um, I remember uh, in the summer, I went to summer school, and I was, I was falling asleep, and I was trying to take off my headset, because I could still feel it on my head. <laughs> I just worked a 16-hour, and, uh, you know, so I was, I was working full-time hours, but officially, I'd say probably a re- um, Remax. Okay. So real estate, I started in the office, uh, just admin work, and I started part-time and then eventually made it to full-time. I think that would have been my real first full-time job. Now, when I first met you, you were, you were into cars. Mm-hmm. What was your first car? My first car was a 1996 Chevy Cavalier, uh, four-door, and uh, it was green. And I recognized, I've always wanted to like, you know, soup up cars and, you know, modify them. And I was like, this isn't the car you do that to. I, I did definitely put a system in it. Yeah. And uh, then I wanted to upgrade to the Z24. So it was the nicer model with the body kit and it was a two door. Um, but yeah, the first one would have been the four door and then I, I, I upgraded eventually. How, how long did it take you to, to save <laughs> up for that car? Yeah, so for my first car, I'd say it was probably about two years. Um, that I was saving money and I was able to uh, get the Cavalier. That's great. Now, let's move on to present day. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see money now? Is it, is it a goal to achieve or a tool to use? Fantastic question. Um, I think at the stage that I'm in my life, this is not fair, but I'm going to say both. Okay. Um, you know, we're still young and, and building. So, you know, getting the money is still very important. You know, like we've just purchased, um, you know, our first detached home. We're going through the upgrades, you know, I want to get a sports car. Um, So getting the money is still very important because I still have a lot of, um, you know, kind of materialistic goals that require an abundance of money. Um, But at the same time, you know, going back to when we talked about the team, you know, so having somebody like Natisha on the team, you know, at first, so that's a tool. You know, that was very hard to think about, you know, to spend tens of thousands of dollars on a salary. You're like, well, is that really worthwhile? So I'd say that is an example of a tool where I said, okay, you know what? I got to spend that money and use it in a way that will actually either free up my time or help me generate more income. And it worked. It is successful. You know, it's a hard, a lot of people have that hard first jump to be like, really? Spending money is going to make me more money? Um, You know, so I think I'm kind of in both where I, I will spend it and use it as a tool. Um, you know, we have investment properties, so that's another tool. Um, so different ways we'll use that money to generate more or give a better lifestyle. But I'm still at that point where, you know, we're reaching sky high for certain goals that require money. So I, I think both are very still important in, in my stage in life. Perfect. My next question was supposed to be about your last major purchase, but ah. I think you, you've answered that. So yeah, your, your home. It's, it's definitely the home. Um, you know, we grew up in, a, in an age where, you know, there was a group called the Bare Naked Ladies. It's a musical group, don't take that the wrong way. <laughs> and uh, they had a famous song that was a million dollars, you know, and it was if I had a million dollars. And they would answer that question and that was the whole premise of the song. And I've joked before, I'm like, you know, the 2021 version would be like 10 seconds, right? It would be like, <laughs> if I had a million dollars, I, I would buy a house. Yeah. And that's the end of the song, right? Yeah. And, and, and nowadays, you, you probably still need to get a mortgage. Yeah. Right? You, you put a million down and, you know, you'd have a $60,000 mortgage, $100,000, $200,000 mortgage. Um, you know, so that is a huge purchase for us. I never in my life thought I'd spend a million dollars on a home. Um, you know, so that is definitely the biggest purchase. And even just the upgrades we went through is probably 
more money than uh, you know I, I would have wrapped my head around you know five years ago, ten years ago. Um, so yeah, that's definitely the biggest purchase at this time. Now I know that you're in real estate and buying a house is is directly in line with the industry that you're in. And I've talked about this before. What does home ownership mean to you then? Mm. So to me, it means oh, very good question. I'd say. That's the word I'm looking for, not comfort, but like... Security? That's exactly the word, definitely, security. Because, you know, I was talking to somebody, I think, two days ago about it. They said, oh, well, you think you have $400,000 in equity, but, you know, if the market corrected and it went down 200000 like, listen, I, I understand. You know, prices can go up and down, but I have somewhere to live, right? That's the number one thing. You know, my family has shelter. No matter what happens to the market, it gives me security in that sense. Secondly, you know, living in the GTA, history has shown us no matter what happens to the market, even if it drops, it'll always come back up. You know, so that still gives me that security where somebody might say, oh, it's false, the price could drop. Let it drop, it'll come back up, right? And so I do have a security from a financial standpoint. Um, a lot of our wealth has come from owning real estate, and I'm not plugging it because I'm a realtor, um, but having multiple properties or flipping properties, even not flipping necessarily, like, you know, when you say that word, people think, oh, you rented it and sold it six months later. Um, even if you lived in it for three, four years and it was genuinely your principal residence, and then you sell that, and all of a sudden you made a hundred, two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, I don't think the money I've made off real estate I could have ever saved. No matter what my income, I couldn't have put that aside. So. Uh, that financial security definitely exists, and then again, having a place for my family to live and feel, uh, you know, safe and secure. Yeah, you're right. I agree. I mean, no different than your business, our mortgage business, about, you know, the sense of security that you get when you're buying a home. The wealth building component of it, so the economic benefit, is there definitely because we're we live in Canada. In the long term, property values have gone up. Right, and there's that pride of own, uh, pride of home ownership that you just mentioned there. That's a big thing for for most clients as well. Now, money for charity is something that I know that you've been a part of, that you've mm -hmm. you've supported. Tell me about the great things you do for charity. I know oh. you've been very very generous with your your oh, money you. and your time. You know, first of all, I, I feel blessed to be in a situation to have something to give. Um, you know, the first story that comes to my mind. Well, okay, so let me answer the question first. Is um, Roy LePage has a, a charity, okay? So it, it's called the Shelter Foundation, and we raise money for our local women and children's shelters. Um, if I'm being very honest, when I first got involved in it, it was because it was the charity at my work, okay? Um, I had a bit of a you know, myth in my mind, which I think a lot of people I've talked to over the years have had, is you know, it's bad people that end up in that situation, people on drugs, or, you know, we have these images of who ends up in that situation, but as time went on with my involvement, and I realized there were people like you and me, and most of us don't have six months, 12 months of savings, and, you know, God forbid somebody's in an abusive relationship, and maybe the other partner is the one that had all the finances, that person all of a sudden is in a situation where they need a place to go, and it's not because they're bad, it's not because they're irresponsible, it's the unfortunate cards that they were dealt and you know as a community we need to support those people because they haven't done anything wrong to be in that situation um, and then I realized I'm like somebody I care about could very easily be in that situation um, you know I won't get into it today but funny enough I said that for years and that ended up happening somebody who is the most important to me in my life I ended up finding out that in the past they had not only been in a shelter but they'd been in that exact shelter that I've been supporting for years um, so I'm glad everything that I preach ended up actually happening and uh, you know, so my involvement there is huge and it means a lot to me. Um, but the other part is um, I've got a two-year-old son and uh, you know, unfortunately he had uh, gone through cancer 
And uh, so treatment was at McMaster Children's Hospital, amazing. I didn't even know about the hospital. You know, everybody thinks sick kids. And uh, McMaster, 11 out of 10, the service, the way they take care of people. I hope nobody ever has to go there, but if you do go with confidence, it is amazing. So since that happened, you know, personally, that's made us kind of split our, our charity work and give back to McMaster as well. Um, essentially, we feel they, they saved our son, right? So um, between those two, those are the main ones. And in the past, we've done some Princess Margaret, but uh, I'd say those are the two big charities. And I feel bad when I say no to others, you know, but it's like we've kind of decided to concentrate and make as much of a difference as we can with one or two mm -hmm. instead of, you know, spreading it over a hundred of them and not making as much of a difference. Um, so I don't think there's a good or bad charity. Those are just from personal experience, the ones that uh, we were drawn to supporting. So uh, what drew you to obviously using your, your name, your time, certainly we're talking about money, mm -hmm. to direct some of your resources to those good causes. And it, it seems like early in the stage, uh, early in your early stages, you've mentioned earlier that, that you always had that, mm -hmm. you always had that in you. Not everybody's that way. What, what, what's that pull? You know, my, my parents have always taught, they're very loving, very warm. My dad always gives, gives, gives. Um, so does my mom, you know, not to discredit her. Um, so I think that's always been there in our home. And then I, I think I've always been fueled by getting, you know, feeling like I got a pat on my back. You know, same thing with my real estate. You know, when I help clients and they feel good, I, I get motivated to do more. So if I do charity work and I know I'm helping and I feel that kind of proverbial pat on the back, I feel prompted to move forward and keep going. And so you're right, in grade school, I used to do a lot of the charities with the school, and then I would go above and beyond. And you know, I wanna go knock on the doors and collect as much as I can. Uh, you know, there's a bit of ego, if I may admit, you know, cause it'd be if you, if you raise this much money, you get the sweatshirt. If you raise this much money, you get the jacket, you know, and I wanted to, to be the best. That's always been an issue for me. I always wanna be amazing at what I do. Um, but that brings up a very quick story. So my dad would deter me from it. And I was kind of shocked and, you know, he'd get, I actually got angry with him, you know, because I'm like, I'm trying to do something good and you're stopping me from doing it. What's wrong with you, you cranky old man, right? And what he told me when he sat me down was the $5, $2, $1 you're bothering people knocking on their doors to get is not going very far. He goes, why don't you take that time, concentrate in school, become something, be successful, make so much money you know, at least make six figures, and then you can give 10%. Because when you start working and making money, you should allocate 10% of your earnings to give back. And he goes, so when you're, he wanted me to be a doctor. I did too, but that's a different story. Things obviously changed. And, you know, and I agreed with that. I said that I want to give a good chunk and feel good about that. And now we're in a much better situation to make bigger differences. Um, you know, and take it one step further. Forget about what we can do financially. We're able to speak to so many people. Right, so just last, uh, actually today, I went to Canada Post. We uh, have newsletters that go out in an area that we do a lot of real estate and it hits 5,000 homes. And I talked to our person at McMaster Hospital and said, is it okay if I put a campaign on the back of our newsletter to try to get some items that you guys need or monetary donations to help the hospital? So, you know, I, I, I agree with 99% of everything my dad ever said that I thought was wrong, he ended up being right. Um, we're making a lot bigger difference now individually, but also with our reach to our clients, to our friends, to our you know colleagues, and we're able to do a lot more for our community. Um, so it's been an amazing, um, you know, not just pleasure, but it's um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it's, uh, you know, it's almost a blessing to be able to be in a situation to help others, right? So it's um, 
and as I've mentioned, we came from a place where, you know, I, I don't want to get too dramatic here, but you know, I've, I've slept in my car, I've been in a situation where I didn't have money for the bus or food. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we've gone bankrupt. We've had to, you know, sleep at somebody else's home and not had food in our fridge. Um, you know, so I've seen, you know, very extreme on the other side. So to not only no longer be in that situation myself, but to help others who may be in that situation, absolutely amazing and priceless. Hey, Pinder, thank you for bringing me here. Tell You're me where welcome. we are. Uh, we're at Lina's Roti, actually, here at Financial Drive. Um, amazing place, um, West Indian cuisine, but it's got a little touch of Indian as well. The owner, Devinder, um, is actually very well cultured. It's got some Punjabi, Gujarati, a West Indian, so the food reflects that. Um, it's in the same parking lot as our office, so we tend to come here a lot, myself and the team members. Uh, so it's nice to be able to share that with my friends and come here and have a bite to eat. Perfect. What, what do you like here? Um, so doubles are always a hit. Um, you know, we were talking about money today and, you know, so I'm even conscious, I'll look at what's the daily special and there's a certain day of the week, I think it's Mondays, um, when you buy four doubles, you get two free. So no matter how much I make, I'm still always looking, where can I save a couple bucks? And so when we come to Lena's, we look at the specials, doubles for sure. Um, the jerk chicken I really like, um, you know, one of our movers who helps staging, uh, he's Jamaican, so he's like, listen, the jerk chicken is not authentic. I'm like, it's authentic for us, right? <laughs> but uh, I love the jerk chicken, the doubles, and I'm about to try the shrimp curry, so I'm really excited about that. Perfect, perfect. Now, going back to what we were talking about earlier, what do you prefer, time or money? Ah, so very good question. You know, at, at the beginning of, of this video, we talked about, you know, do you want to make money or, you know, do you, do you want time, right? So. I think it kind of comes back to the same thing is like I, I want to make money so that I have the time right so we're still at that point where we're building and I want to get it to the point so so sustainable that you know our, our day-to-day expenses are covered by our positive cash flow so that is super important to me so we can get to the point that we don't have to chase the money and the money is already coming in from our investments, we've leveraged it correctly, um, then I have time. So having a young family with a wife and a kid, it's very important to me that I have time to spend with them. Um, so that's the reason I'm making the money. Perfect, perfect. Financial independence is what we, we call it on our yes. side. Now, do me a favor, last, last question, last, last request, look over at the camera and what would you say to the young Pinder about money, borrowing, investing, or saving? Okay, well, Pinder Singh, listen up very closely. Um, before we get into the nitty gritty, uh, it's important that you do treat yourself. Um, you know, I think if you're always just making and looking forward and you don't treat yourself, you're gonna lose motivation. So definitely treat yourself, but make sure you're saving and you're leveraging the money. I think it's to find something of comfort where you know you can invest and grow your money so when we talked about time you're only gonna get that time if you save that money and put it somewhere where it works for you so buy real estate um, again, I'm biased because that's where my comfort level is and specialty um, or, or invest in stocks whatever you do invest it somewhere where the money is going to grow I think that is the most crucial part when it comes to money at a young age get it working for you from a very young age well, thank you again, Pinder, your generosity of your time for, for us today. And like I said, you've been an inspiration to me for, for quite some time. And you're, you're definitely a confident to, to myself personally and, and in business. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Thank Ray. you.